out to be completely unreliable assholes. <laughs> hello, Tim. Hello. Hello, Ryan. And hello, everyone listening. Ho, ho, ho. Hopey, happy holidays. No, it's it's happy ho, ho, holidays, everyone. <laughs> Good one. Welcome to uh, part one of two of our Christmas holiday season uh, special episodes. Episodes of what, you might ask, but just in case you don't know. Episodes one and two of our Ho Ho Holiday special of the show, Dismembering Horror, which is the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan. That's right. We dismember a horror film for you. We talk about what worked, what did not work, anything else we found interesting or noteworthy all in the spirit of friends getting together, trying to gleam something from the from the dark edges of the universe and universe, all the all the places you aren't supposed to look, but there is something to gleam. That's what I think of what, what we're, we're doing with horror movies, more or less. Yep, under the <laughs> under the corner of the carpet there. Yeah, exactly. Don't look. Never it's gross. Never know what you'll find. And then, yeah, and then it's all in the spirit of like, you know, you know, you want to get together with your fellow horror friends, which can be a, a unique bunch amongst your friend group. And whether you have that uh, in-person friend group or not, we hope we can fill that niche for you somewhat. You consider us your horror fiends <laughs> that are always here for you <laughs> as well. All right, all right. So for episode 170, well, before we really dive in deep to the snow here, Tim, you want to catch us up? We're, uh, we're evolving our show over the coming months here. Sure, sure. Okay, so here we go. So we, as we have mentioned before, have joined the Connected Podcast Network, which is awesome. And there's a bunch of other shows that are really great on it. I mean, all the shows on it are great. Um, I'm still making my way through them. Check them out. Um, but as part of that, we sort of decided that we want to just shift our um, our output here a little bit and how we approach things. We want to focus a little bit more on like building the audience and reaching out and changing how we do that uh, we've decided is going to involve um, moving to a different format, essentially. And so that new format is going to be two episodes a month instead of four or every week, however that ends up landing. And so every other week, we'll be releasing episodes from now on. And then, you know, there may be times, you you know, where we do something special. You'll see. We're, we're, it's all incubating. And um, so December, we're going to do two weeks. And then this is the first one of two. So in two weeks from now, we'll do another episode. And then in January, because it's kind of a slow time of year for everybody, we're going to ease off, uh, do some more brainstorming and sort of set up the year. 
And yeah. uh, so, so there will probably be no episodes in January. We might release some old ones, re-release or <clears throat> talk about some things, maybe some little small bites or something. But either way, that's what we're doing. And we hope that we can kind of focus our energy a little bit more on interacting with you all, the listeners. Yeah, exactly. This is in no way, I like to, I'd say this more for myself as a reminder, we aren't so much taking a break or trying to ease back on the amount of the time we can dedicate to the show. None at all. Actually, it's more the opposite of where we're going to be just, yeah, doing more of that kind of work Tim described to help grow our family. We've been um, just so in the mode of just release an episode, release an episode, release an episode, kind of just Tim and I here that our new connected podcast friends uh, were able to give us some perspective, be like, hey, guys, <laughs> we can uh, do more with this show, but you just need to uh, put your eggs in some other baskets here. That's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> all the same, you're here, whether you're new or old, we're so happy to have you along for uh, shifting things up here. So, well, but it's it, we have a whole whole full episode to get to still. So, unless there's anything else, Tim, you want to get into it? Is there anything else? I I no. I mean, I hope if people celebrated Thanksgiving, they enjoyed that. It was you know a week ago or whatever. Um, I did. I ate so much. <laughs> I usually, <laughs> I usually am not like a big eat ridiculous amounts on thanksgiving i kind of like have like a a plate and maybe a maybe a seconds but i went very deep yesterday or yesterday last week on just so much so much food <laughs> like it never ended it was crazy but it was good sounds great i got i live in thai town in hollywood i got thai food from my favorite Yum. thai place Tim, actually, uh, since we're recording this, everyone, ahead of time, it's not quite December. It's actually the day after Thanksgiving, which is called Black Friday oh, by God. a lot of people. Tim, I would love to know, just really quick, per our show, per our rating system, would you tell yourself to avoid, stream, rent, or buy <laughs> Black Friday? I'm a, I am a unwavering avoid. I have never in my life gone shopping on Black Friday. And I Great. intend to keep it that way. <laughs> Great. All right. I just realized I was like, damn, you know, I might want to go see a movie today. And if it's Black Friday, man, ugh. Like where well, I could find a movie theater that's not in sort of a a busy area, I guess. But dude, just I don't even want to know what the I don't even want to get in my car. Yeah. Yuck. Though, yeah, yesterday was the day, the day to do it. I don't know, uh, you listeners, what kind of city you're living in, but it's kind of cool with a big city. It feels like you just kind of get 70% of the kind of general activity and amount of people slashed. So it's kind of is a fun day to wander, like on the day of the holiday itself. Yeah. Anyways, well, I hope you get to Ghostbusters Afterlife sooner rather than later. <laughs> I'm all know. the same. <laughs> all right uh all right wait we, we got a movie from um uh okay yeah from 
1998, starring Michael Keaton. Shut family up. Fa- <laughs> we had to do that joke at some point. All right. That's right. No. From 1997, we're doing today. Let's see. What was the, the name of this director? Oh, yeah. Michael Cooney. Written by Michael Cooney and Jeremy Page. Here we go. Jack Frost. One cold night. Science and evil collide. Oh, yeah. Now, a serial killer is on the loose. We hadn't even tested the acid on an amoeba, let alone a human cell. This is a disaster. Look, I just saw something that doesn't belong in this world, and it's out there killing my friends. Now tell me what it is. Jack Frost. I think Jack's about to make an entrance. And he's giving cold-blooded a whole new meaning. Hey, Jack! What? You left the 710 split. All right, Tim. Well, so sad to not watch this one with you here, but I'm excited to talk to you about it today all the same. (laughs) So, Tim, we've done the trailer. I'm just excited to know how stupid you thought this was, how much you might have hated it. Would you tell yourself, Tim Aslan, to avoid this film, stream this film, rent this film, or buy this film? (laughs) You know, to be honest, it's it's so dumb. Like, it's one of the the more dumb movies, period, I've ever seen. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something weirdly, it's, it obviously knows it's, like, it's not trying to be anything but completely ridiculous, camp, stupid, just over the top, whatever. And... It somehow typically I'm like, ugh, I hate that. But I just think it's it's so stupid that it's worthwhile. And I actually quite enjoyed it. <laughs> so I'm a rent for Jack Frost. <laughs> I think we gotta double rent it on our hands, folks. I gotta give it a rent also. Yeah, I mean there's I mean, we'll get into it more, but it is good kind of stupid for me where either it's like at at one point I'm just kind of like gotta just laugh and shake my head over how stupid one of his one-liners is and then like but for every one of those moments too then I'm like genuinely surprised by like an actual smart gag that gets in there somehow right and with a lot of the films that god what was it called like Santa's sleigh or something like no no is it I don't know. I can just think of some other low rent straight to video films that are holiday themed where the the filmmakers just kind of seem like just kind of cruel people or I don't know, like the way they have fun is just there's something kind of mean spirited or not actually funny about it. This one, yeah, it just seemed all <laughs> it seemed more in a like you could tell they were having a good fun time and uh 
I don't know that the movie didn't have that 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 weirdness to me. It's plenty yeah. of other weirdness about it, but uh, <laughs> it seemed like they're mostly a, a good, good people who made it. I'll put it that way. Yeah. No, I, it's <clears throat> it's a <laughs> it's just it feels it's well enough put together that you know it's not like they were just a handful of people screwing around just for fun, even though it has kind of that underpinning, but it still had enough of a budget to like make a movie that like, you know, is serviceable as a movie. Yeah. And absolutely. so, it, you know, they rented, they rented some lodge in big bear and went up there and did their thing. And like, <laughs> you know, and their thing is just stupid enough to, to be fun and funny. Yeah, like you couldn't imagine this film working with any other kind of tone or budget level, you know, in a way. And uh, we don't have this as one of our rating options, but even more accurate than a rent it would be like watch it at a screening in December with an audience. I think that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, it's so... It's almost like they made a movie specifically for I guess high school and college age kids to put on and laugh about like just to be like this is so dumb and fun (laughs) or the sense that I get for the high school college kid and all of us yeah yeah exactly (laughs) because like I can imagine that this uh, this movie should I think very much be watched with a bunch of other people where you're like just (laughs) you can just throw stuff at the screen and laugh. Like it's that kind of feeling. Yeah. I had seen it before, watched it with uh, other people. then I don't know, 10 years ago. And it was a good time. (laughs) Cool. I was able to have a fun enough time here as my, my, my big Thanksgiving movie I watched by myself. So (laughs) it's kind (laughs) kind of funny with that context. Cool. All right. All right, let's let's really yeah, we're we're excited to dig into it already. So let's do just that uh, by moving on with our summary here. What is Jack Frost from 1997? What happened in it, Tim? Oh man, Jack Frost. Wow, it's kind of Chucky. Yeah, right. It's uh, a serial killer being transported in the middle of a made-up town, Snowminton. and not snow mountain just snowminton um and uh (laughs) they crash into a truck that's carrying an experimental like acid and the serial killer gets (laughs) completely doused in it and disintegrates and his dna and the snow that he falls into somehow uh (laughs) combine into his cells turn into snowflakes i don't know i mean it's just it's who cares it's ridiculous (laughs) right we get that little like cg animation of what's going on on the cellular level (laughs) but it's so that he can turn into a snowman i mean a serial killer turns into a snowman is this movie a snowman. 
So <laughs> he he then happens to be in the town where the cop who arrested him originally lives. And he goes on a on a rampage and they have to figure out how to kill him. That that's it. I mean, that is it. There's nothing else going on. Well, he kills some people along the way, Jack Frost, sure. as in his snowman self. In yeah. case that wasn't clear. <laughs> yeah, he's he's yeah, he goes on a little murder spree. Yeah, it he's got quite the sense of Christmas humor. Yeah, he does it in very snowman ways. All he kills. <laughs> yeah, like the first guy he kills, <laughs> the the coroner is or yeah, the coroner comes by to be like cause of death, and he's like. Well, he's got no external bruising, which implies that the killer had some sort of large thing in their hands, or maybe were wearing giant mittens. <laughs> it's like, yeah, snowman hands. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. All right. So it's great. just dorky shit like that. Yep. And they got to team up. The town gets together and defeats him, more or less. Hey, I'll tell you what. In the in the realm of how do you how do you stop an unstoppable force? This movie has a very good solve and like <laughs> solution, no pun intended, uh, to to killing the snowman. I love it, and a good fake out solve too, which we'll That's get right. to. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get to all that then for our next uh, big main section here. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked for you? This is one of those, Tim, I feel like I just got to start at the way, way beginning with just, (laughs) like, settling into what this, (laughs) the particularness of whatever this film is. Yeah. It starts with a very long opening credit sequence <laughs> over you know, I mean all the credits like uh you know decked out on um on ornaments on a Christmas tree. <laughs> but the, the and it's all to this like narration of a, a <laughs> like a father telling like the, the story of this Jack Frost to his daughter. But it's like the voice of the daughter it's like uh like a cartoon character style where yeah. it's uh, clearly a, a woman or an adult doing the voice of a kid. And there's just something so off about it where I was like wavering between kind of hating and loving it and just how weird it was. And then just kind of landed on being actually kind of disturbed in a way that set me up for this movie uh, pretty well. Like, it's it's hard to say if they were intentional or not, but it's this was kind of a first example where it just keys into some kind of weird energy that I don't know. It's just, it's just again, I don't know if you could intentionally do it, but uh I, I think but that just yeah. does get to me on some level. Like it's <laughs> like oh, the voices are off and bleh, and ah. Yeah. Well, it very much has that like you know what it reminds me of a lot, actually? I, it was taking me a minute to to sort of hone in on it. But you remember the opening of Scrooged? I think it's the opening. 
And it's like this old dude sitting by a fireplace with a big book. And he's like, he's like narrating the, the coming story of, of a Christmas carol. Right. And then they, you know, I, for, I forget what happens, but like a, a light falls in the background and you realize that you're on a studio and camera pulls out and it's like, oh, this is the filming of this network's version of A Christmas Carol. And then you meet, you know, Bill Murray and everybody. But it's so happy because even that is is a play on that old style of like, you know, the the old dude opening a book, reading like reading from it as the intro to the story, right? And I think this is very much playing off of that. I f- I swear the guy's voice, whoever did the voiceover for that intro, I feel like they just found the guy who like did that for his whole career. You know what I mean? He sounds so good. But then you're right. <laughs> they insert this very strange little girl voice, which is clearly just an adult actor doing a little kid's or like a cartoon kid voice. And it is, I think right off the bat, you just go, oh, this is just going to be weird. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I think actually that's to the point of the whole movie. It, It, when, if you set it up in the very, very first, you know, 30 seconds that, that things are just weird here, you can kind of do anything. Right? Like, you just accept that. Like, this, this, the world of this movie, put aside the fact that he turns into a snowman. Forget about that. In this movie's world, a like 16 year old aggressively bullies like a 10 year old in, in like such an over to over the top fashion that it's just like, dude, I don't feel like that exists. Now, sure sure high school people bully kids but like it's just so over the top so i'm like all right i'm on board like i mean grand he soon after loses his head which is even more awesome but you know that's the world of the movie i'm like i'm in i'm cool with that but you see how there's like what i was trying to say yes agree to all that but I was just trying to like hone in on something I was a little at the loss of words for of like when it's not intentional, those things. Like, but I do don't you think, think that, that those things in this movie are not intentional. No, no. Like, like think of those, like having a little, uh, an adult play like a little kid voiceover. I don't think the filmmaker went, Ooh, yeah, that's going to be the right amount of weird to really set oh. people up for this film. <laughs> Same with the 16 year old harassing the 10 year old in that way you described. I don't think he's like, yeah, this is an interesting kind of particular, uh, uh, you know, view. I, ha- I, I, you know, way I'm trying to present this, like, right. like that's it's what's con- throughout it's these not films. conscious. Yeah. 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 But it is who the filmmakers are. Yeah. It, it, it's one of the things that's like the just that kind of thing is sprinkled throughout this film is just one of the 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 elements that just kind of keeps your attention going i found throughout the whole thing like there was there's such a weird little touch where the filmmaker's favorite style for the dialogue scenes of just getting as much done as they could in the shooting day i imagine was just like these long takes with yeah. two or three people just kind of in a wide shot talking to each other there's one at the beginning when like the town was setting up and we're kind of meeting a few of the characters. We're holding on the two people talking to each other for the long time. It's kind of not really looking at it, but they're standing in front of the doorway. And then all of a sudden, just this like, just kind of, you know, I don't know, just 
interesting looking local, I imagine, you know, who's in this film, like walks out holding a giant like Christmas bulb ornament that's like, you know, three and a half feet wide kind of thing. Just (laughs) just like, and their walk is just kind of funny. Just it's a weird visual. Like that, like that maybe is maybe an example of something that's more of an intentional gag. But like as far as like the casting of that person and just the way they did it. Like that's all the kind of happenstance that comes through that you couldn't really plan. That is just, just so fun and endearing too. It, it feels so much, I know it's a bigger production this than this, but I feel like the um, sort of where the filmmakers were coming from or sort of like this, the headspace that they were in feels very similar to when you and your friends, like, so for example, you know, I was a theater major in college, right? You were, you were film, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can probably relate to some degree, but in the theater department, <clears throat> you know, if we wanted to explore something, most of the time we just had to go to the theater and get permission to open up, you know, the props room and the costume room and just rummage through it. And this movie kind of has that feel to me where they kind of, at least in some or all stages of the film, we're kind of just in that, like, grab what you think we could maybe use. And then you grab a bunch of stuff and it's all kind of in, like, this good humored, like, ooh, well, I don't know if this will work, but that might be fun. So just grab it. And then you've got this pile of stuff and you go, okay, well, what are we even doing? And you just start making stuff up as a group. You're like, oh, see that big Christmas ornament over there? Grab that because who cares? It's funny. It just is what it is. It's a cool (laughs) thing. I don't know where you grabbed it from, but I'm glad you did. How can we insert it in here somewhere? And just like so much of this movie feels put together with that kind of energy of just like – Look around, what can we use, what would be funny, what would feel good and be weird and like over the top. Like the design of the snowman is so ridiculous. I mean, it's not even a snow. It's not at no point are we supposed to actually think he's made of snow, right? Like we just in in reality, I mean, like he is just clearly a I don't even know what material that would be, like plaster. He's just a plaster. (laughs) Yeah, when the hand's touching him and it's just so clearly not snow. (laughs) Right. But you don't care because it's just serving, it's serving the bigger purpose of the film, which is just like, have a good time. Yeah. And I think that's cool. It's, it actually ends up translating really well. Yeah, no, it's funny. We kind of uh, started saying, you know, the, the stuff that seems unintentional, but strikes a certain chord, but then kind of your getting at some things there that are the more uh, self-aware of what this movie is that just absolutely works. Like just, I was was cracking me up uh, when you described it as an experimental acid that transforms him. (laughs) Cause you just kind of imagine them just having fun and knowing what it is in the writing room where it's like, well, we need it to kill him, but we also need him to be transformed. So what would kill him? Well, acid. It's like, well, okay, yeah, but how does he get transformed? Well, what if it's experimental acid? <laughs> yeah. yeah, from is, a genetic research. Uh, right. It know. can't, it's, so it's just not any regular uh, ooze or liquid or anything. No, it's, it's acid variety. 
of this movie, uh, experimental liquid. Yeah, this movie very much has the stuff vibes to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of it. I don't know what the right word is, it, but it 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 just has this, I guess, irreverent sort of style. It's just sort of like, yeah, man, who gives yeah, a it, shit? Let's it's, just do it. You can tell. I don't. I mean, Larry Cohen. I you could kind of imagine this director having that same spirit, like when when I was like those earlier scenes I, I mentioned of the townspeople all just kind of out there and getting set up. You can kind of get this feel where like he was almost maybe a, a fun um, ringleader. And, you know, everyone was just kind of having a, a kick out of making this weird movie together. And I don't know, it's just that that came through somehow, which is maybe the Larry Cohen-esque thing you were trying yeah. to describe. Um, I mean, <laughs> there's even, in terms of taking itself seriously too, like it just doesn't. And I think that's really helpful because... So, for example, there's there's a scene where the quote unquote FBI agent and his lackey, who I guess was a part of the creation of this genetically, yeah, whatever altered acid, who knows? Um, they show up in town, and the cop is like, "You the FBI?" The guy's like, "Sure, whatever," and it's like they don't care. It it it's. It's their way of saying, yeah, we know that this doesn't really like the FBI would not have this weird side story back, you know, in the shadows thing going on. But like, we just need to move forward. So let's just shrug our shoulders and carry on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of fucking love. Um, <laughs> I had just some more uh, things down that were like examples of. Uh, weird little touches that you imagine weren't too intentional, but just kind of make you go, what? Like the, uh, it cracked me up. I will find a way, which is what the, the killer as Jack Frost, like, you know, he keeps flashing back to (laughs) just him, like all out, just screaming that so intensely. It's beautiful. But then that's actually like what he writes in the magazine letters, but just cracked me up how, The magazine letters, it was like, yeah, that classic where it feels like it's like pasted on to be anonymous or whatever, but they weren't pasted on. It was like as if Jack Frost did that on the magazine and then photocopied it so it was not actually like the pasted on letters. And then then he signs it his name, which the whole point of the (laughs) doing that is to be anonymous. (laughs) So it's like. It's like, of course, it's that this is the kind of movie that does that. Exactly. But that, that in and of itself is the joke, right? It's 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 pushing back against the Yeah, and I, I myself am one of these people a lot of time where I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. So you better figure out a way to make it make sense. But this movie just right off the top is like, no, I we're not doing that thing. Actually, we're actually we're we're, you know, uh, railing against that mm-hmm. actively. We're going to do a, you know, a newspaper magazine letter note and have him sign it. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. And they're like, that's the point. That is the point. It's supposed to be stupid and make you right. go, that's a joke. But then there's plenty, of course, that is um, uh, 
not uh well here i just had i just had one last example of things that were i just wanted to run by you i enjoyed that was like what was the was this intentional or not but just really tickled me was how well first of all there's like carrots everywhere like it's, it's <laughs> this movie like everyone's always cooking carrots or has access to carrots or whatever <laughs> so there's the one scene where the mom's i guess she's preparing like soup or whatever but we like see her, we take a bit of time with it too, chopping a carrot and then celery and then putting them into a pot of non-boiling water and stirring it. What <laughs> was she doing in that moment, Tim? Um, well, that stove probably was a prop stove and they didn't have electricity to it. I don't know. It didn't have gas. So they're like, just whatever. Just it's- fake it. Stir your chopped carrot celery water. Yeah. Well, hey, maybe she was just trying to, uh, you know, like um, make them a little softer. Just soak them. Maybe it. Maybe, dude, you don't know. Are you? Are, are you a chef? Maybe this is like the way you do <laughs> celery and carrots. Right. When you're soaking them in water, you got to stir them. All maybe right. there was something else in that water. Yeah, it didn't look like it. Anyways, now I want to highlight some actual clever things that I thought were fun. Uh, the the my biggest laugh, I think, it was a gag. It felt like it was like seriously on the quality of out of a Naked Gun movie or something. But it mm. was like one of their one of the, the the wide shots of people talking. But it was like the three, I guess, like kind of copy characters and the main guy, three of them. Uh, looking at the dead frozen body in the foreground it's like on a chair outside yeah. in the snow and it's yep. like this this gruesome corpse and it has like uh it's you know eerily kind of rocking just during the whole scene and at some point towards the end of the scene you know the one cop guy turns to the other and is like will you stop shaking the chair so something like that or <laughs> it's like or would you get your foot off of the chair or something like that yeah so funny like god it was like it's a great visual gag yeah again it just to me it 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 does feel like it feels like the kind of thing where people are kind of just they're in that almost improv mindset and the director or whoever but let's assume it's the director is just kind of he's saying yes to everything you know, where he's like, yeah. you know, the guy probably what did have his foot on it while they were waiting to shoot that scene. And the director's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep doing that. You, <laughs> yeah. you just say, just make it a joke. Like, make everything a joke. And like, it, uh, I, I'm amazed at how well some of it works. It's really good. Yeah. And even when it's like just the worst joke you've ever heard i think because it has that spirit you described of like yes say yes to it like it just i couldn't help but laugh i mean of course i am a fan of terrible jokes but like when (laughs) after he did that great kill of you know the axe kill but rather than a slice by an axe it's shoving a handle just just the handle down his mouth (laughs) and it makes absolutely no sense like (laughs) just physically it makes no sense but it would have gone uh, out the back of that guy's head right but like who cares (laughs) but then you remember what he said afterwards he said i only axed you for a smoke 
Like, it's just, (laughs) yeah, exactly. You know what it is? Here's what this whole, this whole movie is just one big dad joke. That's what it is. And I think that's amazingly, that's why I enjoyed it. Yeah, ditto, ditto. Um, And all, so many of those jokes and gags, they did the, the old triple P thing. I always say, I always bring up pursuing potent possibilities is how I put it, or the promise of the premise how others like to put it, but like all his methods of uh, killing people, their snowman Christmas theme. Right. I mean, it's like run down the list. It's great. Like at one point, he turns himself into a giant snowball to crash through a front <laughs> door. Uh, he kills someone by smashing their face into a box of Christmas ornaments and then Repeatedly. like, yeah, and then shoving <laughs> their cut up face and body into the Christmas tree. Um, there's, he, at one point, oh yeah, it's like, yeah, it would make sense if he can kind of do uh, do with what he wants with, with matter and ice and snow. He can shoot spikes out <laughs> and pale people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and once we establish that, of course, that means he can grow sharp icicle teeth to bite into people. Like, it keeps going. And it's just, it's, th- those are the kinds of touches where it's, it's exactly what you want from this movie. It's so much fun. Yeah. And I, I <laughs> in terms of, of bad guys, like horror bad guys, one I think of the big, the key element to making a good horror bad guy is this sense of they are just kind of unstoppable. Mm-hmm. They can get through things. They can they can invade you, you know, wherever you are. Like nothing is going to stop this in- unstoppable force. And so having this like molecular whatever whatever you call it, control over his molecules thing where he can like turn into water and shoot under a door or like through a cabinet or whatever it makes him completely unstoppable it's like how are you ever gonna defeat this thing and that's really important for a movie like this where it's like because if you think about the best monsters or bad guys they all have that quality right like the alien and alien is really scary because it's just like you're screwed like this thing's not you can't stop it jaws same thing like, you just kind of go down the list, Michael Myers, et cetera, et cetera. So just, I think that's having it, like, it's a, just smart. Like, okay, ha, what what do you need to imbue a, a, a snowman with to make it unstoppable? I feel like you just caught yourself, Tim, comparing Jack Frost with Alien and Jaws and Halloween. <laughs> You got to give credit where credit's due. <laughs> ah, no, and I mean, like the the ending. I mean, they actually like think things through within that logic. Like for the ending, I just thought was so much fun. So they're like, "How do we defeat Jack Frost?" And someone kind of brings up the idea. Well, maybe if you know we technically get him hot enough, that could you know destroy whatever the the genetic molecular experimental stuff is. But then we go and learn, of course, I mean, this is what you imagine them figuring out. But wait, what does is, what is heat do to water? It just turns it into steam. So, of course, that's exactly what happens. He steams his way out of the first furnace that they force him into, which, by the way, that was just amazing. <laughs> and just like... Agreed. It's exactly what you want to see to to corner him with... Uh, with um, 
uh, a posse of men holding uh, hair dryers. <laughs> just all. I'll tell you what they got going off of a camera lot of hair dryers really fast. Yeah, and it's like who knows where they're plugged in off screen. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just so great just having all these guys with hair dryers. Conf- Running a snowman, cornering him. Oh my god! Well, I love that they they do this gag where they're like, (laughs) he's hair he's hair drying, hair blowing, whatever. Um, and he he's push. I think he's pushing him backwards, right? Like he's corn pushing him (laughs) into a corner, and then the the hair dryer unplugs because he's got he's gone too far. Oh yeah. And then later, when they when all of them have hair dryers, there's like one really quick shot of like a power strip with like fifty plugs in it. And it's being dragged along. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like they put it on a power strip on an extension cord and plugged all of them in just to make sure they had enough right. slack. I forgot that. They do explain it. It's so funny. It's and just, then, I mean, how they defeat him, it's just one beautiful pun. Like, you know, how they really actually is. defeat him in the end. It's like, doesn't matter how what antifreeze actually is or how it was work. All that matters is that it's called antifreeze. <laughs> So what else would you do to destroy an evil snowman than shove him into a truck full of antifreeze? This is genius writing, genius level (laughs) writing, right? And not because it's actually like, you know, smart necessarily, but it, it just makes sense, right? Like when you take, it's perfect irony. And like in a movie that is irreverent like this and and based on a sort of just a completely silly premise irony is like your greatest ally any and that's why a lot of these jokes work because they're just they're just playing around with people's seriousness in a way it's like lighten up everyone this is stupid and it's fun and funny and like it's dad jokes dad jokes are irony right like that's what they are so, you know, they're also uh, dad jokes. I could define as the trait of just like kind of stretching the logic just a bit <laughs> right. too far. To, because yeah. you just want to grow it again. Like instead of asked, I only axed you for smoke. Like uh, right, right on the edge on. of the eye roll. Yeah. Um, but you like them some... because you like the person delivering them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There and is. They uh, think it's funny then it's funny. Well, it was, I mean, he's really is nonstop with all those puns throughout it and his stupid catchphrase. It's like, they just did not care. It's just, they, sh- yeah, like you said, say yes to everything. But it's funny because like certain point, you know, as bad as they are, maybe the occasional dad joke one that made me laugh or groan or whatever, it, it sort of almost like I stopped hearing the jokes themselves and it's like Jack Frost as a villain took on this like manic energy that was just, I don't know, kind of actually effective in being, uh, in a, again, I think a way that's inadvertent, but did just take on this energy of just kind of being such an onslaught of just yelling and cruel and just <laughs> doing what he's doing and yeah. actually yeah i don't know there's just examples where it's just funnily enough these are maybe the more unintentional things but just where all came together in a way or it did actually kind of get to me like um like his singing at the end when you know he's they're they're sorting uh the now they've they've bottled all the antifreeze back up and are burying him and we're kind of left to think oh he's still alive in the antifreeze there 
um, there's a version of Silent Night playing with the voice of Jack Frost singing it. It's just like that touch is incredible. Like, and it goes on long enough and his voice is just kind of evil and sinister enough. It was just kind of, was a great horror moment. Silent night. You know, just (laughs) kind of unrelentless and how, I don't know, just doing whatever it is. Um, I mean, this, the whole movie is just so full of this, this type of, I mean, it's thought out. It's actually purposeful. And like (laughs) the whole reason that the antifreeze comes up is set up in like the first or second scene of the cop. It was because his son who like, I don't know why they made this decision to make the son like also strange and insane. Like he's, (laughs) (laughs) he's making oatmeal for his dad in the morning and it's like it looks just like a turd it just looks awful whatever it is and he humors his son and takes it with him for lunch and he almost throws it away i mean they go they go it's a whole sequence of things about the stupid oatmeal he doesn't throw it away because he's like oh i feel i'll feel bad you know my son will find out even though he won't you know so i'll just save it and that's the callback that leads to the solve of the movie like that's (laughs) Great. Like, that's how you... Look, you don't have to be overt about how you form your callbacks. You don't. But you you should have them. Everything should be connected to some degree. And this is just sort of an in-your-face example of it. But in spite of that, it it doesn't matter if it's in your... Well, in this movie, it certainly doesn't matter because that's just what the movie is. But, like, the second he hits Jack in the face with the oatmeal, which seems in and of itself kind of silly too. Like he's just grabbing at whatever he can grab and it, and it's like hurts Jack. It like, it's so satisfying because we all go, Oh, Whoa, what's that all about? Like why? (laughs) Yeah. Why did that oatmeal, that, that lump of turd oatmeal looking thing hurt him? And the kid, like this kid is psychotic. He put antifreeze into the oatmeal to keep it because he's like, I don't want my dad getting cold. Honestly, that's I feel like the kind of thing I would have done as a kid. Like you just just kid logic. Okay, antifreeze makes things (laughs) not get cold, you know? Yes. Okay. I mean, did you have I mean, people like making sure you didn't murder somebody by accident? I wasn't playing with antifreeze. Yeah, <laughs> keep the antifreeze out of out of Ryan's reach. Actually, ironically, the kid's name is Ryan. So yeah, maybe yeah. it's based on you. Maybe, but I thought when you're yeah, <laughs> describing the kid, it was more just like uh, just kind of like everyone in this movie. There's a particular casting to them where they, you know, they're they're everyone on the fourth page of Actors Access or just locals. <laughs> like one of the two, like brutal. That is, I'm sorry, but you, but I mean, I didn't mean that that way. I, I, I really mean it as like, I don't know. It's a, it's a certain type. That's all I mean by it. Like, no, it, it totally is. I mean, you have to, you have to be willing to not take yourself too seriously, but also be serious about your not seriousness. If that makes any sense, like in order to do this type of acting. You you got to just let it fly. You just got to not care. 
Yeah, and just uh, you know, try to <laughs> try to take back how that sentiment might have sounded. <laughs> like, no, these are like to do like they're they're it's it's like perfectly cast. Like it's right. it's there's it's they're they're great. Um but anyway, whatever. Um Well, think about it this way. Um who who of like the most famous actors in the world could have played the the lead cop and and made it work? <laughs> I was actually trying to think that during it. Like I like you wouldn't want someone that was as much of as like a Leslie Nielsen. Like that would be too much. Like That's it's right. gotta Yeah. So you know, for me, what comes to mind is somebody who if you were if you were like the the highest end Hollywood celebrity casting of this, I think you you want to get somebody like George Clooney because he can be this weirdly comical, irreverent thing, but also be grounded and endearing at the same time. Like, oh brother, we're out there. He's where art thou is a perfect example of just like, wait, what? This is George Clooney. Like, he's totally over the top and comical. And yet we he's still George Clooney and doing he's a fantastic actor and we buy it and we just buy in. So like it can be done. But like <laughs> I guess you you can't afford George, so you you keep finding you keep going down the line until you can afford somebody. But well, it's it's you- not a it's not a knock against the actor. Being able to do this thing is a thing that is challenging and not everybody can do it. Well, shout out to, I think, just fit right in in her screen debut, Shannon Elizabeth. Oh, I meant um, to look that up. This was the first thing she was in. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just how she just like fits right into what this movie is doing. I just imagine this line being like just kind of a, a clap line almost if you watch it in theaters just because of just how just something about her delivery is just so spot on. It was so funny. It's when the dad's freaking out at her about whatever, going to her boyfriend's whatever. And he's like, uh, do not forsake the name of the Lord in this house. And she responds just the way she says it. Like the Lord forsook this house long ago. (laughs) Like (laughs) so funny. She's a great example of somebody who understands how to be, like, how do you describe this? She's playing it straight, but understands that it's inherently silly. Yeah. And so, like, that's, like, why her character in American Pie works so well is because she's she is sincere in her delivery of all of these things. And you, well, yeah, be- it- you believe her. Like, she, it's it's pretty funny. Like, she, it's she's... I think she gets a bad rap for maybe not like having a career that carried on into like bigger and broader success, but like, dude, she's good at what she does. No, I know you're right. That's a, is a good example where it's like in American pie, she's knowingly just jumping and be like, I am just playing like just the male fantasy stereotype of like the foreign exchange student. And that's all it is supposed to be as like a character or whatever, but she does Um, it fully. Yeah. Um, oh, and then just you know, after that the that line that line exchange I just said, which is so funny, then it just like doubles down. But it again in the way where I'm like, was that actually that 
actually was kind of funny because then the dad claps back again at her. He says, when I want uh, philosophy, I'll turn on Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> or or maybe he says that to his uh, wife kind of there. Yeah, either afterwards. way. But yeah, that was funny. Yeah. It is, I don't know. It's hard to kind of pinpoint why this is fun and enjoyable versus, say, um, what was the one uh, evil, uh, evil Ted or something Ed. like that? Evil Ed. Ed. Evil Ed. Ted. Evil Ted. <laughs> Why yeah, not? Evil Ed, which we didn't really like, but it's it's in the same kind of mode. But something about that doesn't translate. Yeah. Whereas this just feels okay to be dumb. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, our main issue with that one was that it just never was it was so seeped in just the movies it was trying to be that it never yeah. was being its own thing no that's this true, is yeah. just an example of so clearly doing just how i put it promise of the premise yeah killer snowman it's fine if we just copy more or less the chucky formula because great like <laughs> well and it, it kind of it does harken back to Things like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes or, God, I don't know. What's another good example of that kind of That's a good one, of, yeah. Of like, it's slapstick, bordering on slapstick, I guess. I'm not sure if that's the right term exactly. But it's it even feels, if you go back far enough, it sort of still feels in the vein of like an Abbott and Costello or Three Stooges or Marx Brothers. Like, it, it kind of has that underpinning of those that type of humor that is kind of dumb, but like when it's executed by that high level of talent, such as those examples, it becomes this other thing. I mean, it's why vaudeville was so popular for so long. It's like, it's not because it's reality. It's because it's, it's archetypal and it's poking fun at all of those things. And, and, being over the top for the sake of goofiness and irreverence and fun. Well, and you kind of see, I wanted to shout out too, you kind of see that spirit you're describing in a lot of the filmmaking itself, just with how it's shot. Like, yeah, there's, you know, some of the, there's trying to get their day done long takes, but there sure, are some with fun. <laughs> yeah. There's some fun sequences in it, whether it's just, they're getting creative with kind of shooting around, you know, the, the snowman prop or costume, whatever you'd call it. Yeah. But also just like from the, from the, the get go, like, uh, it was great how creative they were and how much just fun and fitting for this film. It was with the car accident of like when the <laughs> car crashes or whatever, and it's all going down. It's like all these shots of the camera spinning in circle yeah. to like, uh, <laughs> you know, like getting flipped over or whatever. It's just, this is fun. It had that energy to it. It's creative. This is some of the other like creative things like that struck me too about is little touches that are like, creative but just in the sense of being that like just kind of weird too where you're like oh, I don't know if I would have thought of that but there's something kind of cool about that that works there is the fact that like he didn't just turn I'm it was just a nice solve you can imagine them being like okay the antifreeze how do we make it so it's like it's actually looks like it's killing him you know rather than just if he's just we've established melting 
is, you know, just something that he'll just come back from. So to distinguish it from his general melting, they make it so he actually has like gore attached to him when Dude, he gets in the I antifreeze. Absolutely <laughs> love that. Right? <laughs> when he first gets hit with the antifreeze oatmeal and it it fleshifies his face. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, dude, here we go. This is right? this is it. <laughs> no, me too. And just that made all that much more satisfying just to like, get him in there. Get him in the, the pool of antifreeze and look at him melt and turn into gooey gore flesh snowman stuff. This movie is like, I think, one of the better examples just as like a rule in, in how you progress your story of – Every scene should should up the ante. And they and you know, with this one, they're doing it through him and his kills. So even his design, right? Like he has abilities <laughs> as a snowman that we that each ability that we learn about is bigger and more scary than the last thing. And that's true. The whole movie is on is set on that kind of, I guess, staircase you know format where it's like you're just continuing to go up the stairs every scene and that's you should do that like you should want to do that you know it's not like a hard and fast rule but your movie should you know be kind of this uphill progression of like bigger better badder whatever and they're so good at doing that like even with the constraint of how they show the snowman it's it's like the first half of the movie, it's all just in like hyper close up. It's almost like, what or why? Like, why aren't we seeing it? But it, that in and of itself is a device to hold. It's almost like don't show the shark until the, the last act kind of format, right? Like they just, they could have easily shown us the whole snowman a lot. There's no reason not to, right? Like it's just a prop. I mean, you do see it a lot, <laughs> but you don't you see it mean... in its full form, right? You don't yeah, see yeah, it yeah. walking around. You don't see its arms. You know, you you all you see everything in close up until we get kind of this like we've you know evolved into other versions of it. Like when he when he gets blown apart or not blown apart, but like whatever he he tries to put himself back together and he's like out of whack and he says, "Hey, I'm a Picasso." You know, like, oh my God. that's like the first time we see him in full, right? And it's a weird, it's a weird jumble version of him in and of itself, which is, again, another way of sort of upping the ante. It's like everything is bigger and better. Like when he finally grows teeth, like that's one of the, the sort of close to the end kills where it's like now he's got this other thing going on, this teeth puppet head, you know, icicle teeth. So yeah. it's just... You, I guess, like, my point is, is that it's kind of a masterclass in progressive, like, uh, storytelling in terms of, like, how you move through it and make every, like, the, you leave behind, every scene you leave behind the thing that you just did and you move into a bigger, better version. Yeah, or get it, it's just that, I mean, it's kind of same but different as, you know, I've been saying of the... What can you only do in this film? Pursuing potent possibilities, killer snowman movie, like all in that that end sequence too. You know, you just kind of imagine getting a thought of like, okay, well, he can turn into liquid, turn back into snow, 
what if someone were to what if he were to get inside of someone what if someone were to drink him (laughs) somehow and they answer that it's so good and this is just another one of the examples of like not because not is it just that the person he gets inside of just you know spews fire hose vomits jack frost back out but like right before he does it like they bother to do this effect where it's like his neck extends upwards and like kind of bulbously like expands outwards at the same time and you're just kind of like why even like that wouldn't happen but like why bother with it but it's just this like great weird creative touch that's just kind of i don't know it's kind of same on the level of the gore snowman gore thing it's weird it's a horror movie and you gotta just like keep going yeah (laughs) yeah so why not it'll be great and it was it was it's so good the movie uh, is so bad, but it just doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, actually, that's not the right way of putting it. The movie... Uh, is the movie bad? <laughs> well, mm. is the, what is the goal of a film? Is it trying... If a goal of a film is to try to be the exact movie it should be, then right. you couldn't say this is bad... But if you, if bad immediately means kind of silly, dumb, stupid, trashy, all those things, then if that's what bad is to you, then sure. But I wouldn't say that. Actually, that's a good way of putting it because by that way of looking at it, I would, I would argue that this movie is excellent because it's, (laughs) it's really good at doing things that make movies good. Yeah. It's got really good story structure. It's got callbacks. It's got, you know, progressive plot. Um what else? It 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 has payoff. It has catharsis. Like it has all of the things that are the <laughs> the ingredients, I guess, of a good movie. And it does all of those things. So why would you consider it bad? Because it's low budget? <laughs> yeah. Or because and it's it- not famous actors? I guess you could, I mean, I guess you could be like, well, it's bad because of that, but it's not bad. It just is what it is. And all of the things that go into making a movie good are in this movie. They even, Tim, as far as things that are good you want in this kind of horror movie where, you know, they usually bring up some kind of philosophy or or metaphysical idea or, you know, question about human nature. Like, they act... It doesn't really click. I don't know. It made me... It sort of did the thing where it was like... I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Wait, is it? Is that just... Does that or that... No, that doesn't make any sense at all. (laughs) I just want to know what you thought of the quote when the the Federal Bureau guy's uh, telling the story of the science. And he gets to, like, the end of it and says, that proving the idea that the soul is a chemical. <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh, uh, the, s- uh? the soul is a chemical, dude. <laughs> the, soul, the soul is a chemical. I changed my mind. That. I think everybody was just high <laughs> when they made this. And that's okay too, because they knew what they were doing, but they were baked and they, and that's how you get good stuff. Yeah, was weed still a <laughs> drug of choice in 1997? Was or was cocaine on its way out then? I don't know. Oh god, 97? They were all in the mix. 
Yeah. I mean, I feel the, like the, the 90s, up, everything was, yeah. Sadly, where, <laughs> where I grew up, heroin was was kind of quote unquote in vogue, which is really weird to say. But I remember finding that out and being like extremely shocked as a high schooler. I was like, wait, high school kids are doing heroin? What? <laughs> Mostly All they right. were smoking weed, though. Yeah. And went on to make Jack Frost. <laughs> Oh, man. Snowminton. <laughs> says it all. Do I have anything else that's worth talking about? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, of course. Yes. So, <laughs> the, I, I guess, I think that there are, if you're, look, I'm a curmudgeon. You know, like, I just, that's part of who I am. And that's take it for what it's worth. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily like that that's the way I am. And sometimes I wish I wasn't, but most of the time I am. But I feel invigorated by this movie. It like It's like anti-curmudgeon for some reason. And I don't know why. But for example... <laughs> The curmudgeon in me would wants to say that if you if you dove into a pool of antifreeze, you that's good, something. It's probably not going to end up great for you, <laughs> right? Not the cop not dives you, Jack in with Frost, him, yeah. the, the snowman. You, a human being, <laughs> flying around in a pool of antifreeze seems pretty unhealthy. And they they don't even just do that; they throw a kid in there with <laughs> with them. <laughs> they they like uh they uh what's the word um they baptize him in it basically they <laughs> exactly. like shove him underneath it it's like make sure he's covered head to toe in antifreeze yep. but so so again i'm i don't really know what it is or why it's it's somehow okay in this example Whereas there are other movies that I come down really hard on, like with within like the the lack of logic or just the the suspension of disbelief is too too much. But for some reason, I I don't know. This movie has like it's like kryptonite to my curmudgeonness. <laughs> it's great. I love that. It's is that spirit that um uh I said that word a lot today. But uh, it's just because the Christmas spirit. But like what, what made <laughs> you love um, Equinox? Anytime there is that, uh, yeah, now I'm just trying to find another word for spirit. But anytime there is that thing uh, behind a film of the, of the thing, the, the energy in which it's made, just keep saying spirit, right? You know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, I did have one last thing. I have a mm. feeling this may be in your what did not work. Um I got to mention here the infamous, I mean, call it a rape scene, mm -hmm. Shanna Elizabeth, uh, snowman Jack Frost attacking her in the bathtub. Hear me out. There's, if you imagine watching this in a crowded theater or whatever, like, I feel like you, and let's let's even just to help paint the picture even better, just to say how maybe you could plug into enjoying something as disgusting as this. Like, I <laughs> like I don't think I wouldn't want that movie. I wouldn't want this to be done nowadays in movies, in like a movie. Like, yeah, whatever. But um, imagine, let's say, like John Waters is hosting this film. Like, that's the kind of 
energy behind the spirit of watching this mm-hmm. in a crowd or whatever. So more of the thing that I liked and what worked about it is just the lead up to the moment of like the 90s guitar just like going all out with these gratuitous shots of her like soaping herself up and getting a dress to get into the shower. Like that is just, it's just so sleazy. I just can't help but kind of like, especially if you're in a crowd, just kind of like cheer and just like, how else do you react? You just kind of you know, roll your eyes and just yell at it. And she, it's this sort of, it's a reaction, you know, that it gets. It's just so stupid as the rest of the movie. It's great. And then, but then as far as pushing it to just something in such horrible taste, again, in that John Waters watching it in a crowd sense, like there is the part of me, again, wouldn't want to make it nowadays, but like in that context, it's just like, like would get just such a reaction at all. Like you can just imagine this, this kind of, fervor of just like booing and cheering and laughing and hooting and hollering just for the audaciousness of just being confronted with something so like ridiculous and taboo like that um so there's my in defense of that scene and why in a certain context i could put it under what worked (laughs) okay (laughs) um i i kind of get what you're saying i'm almost i actually think minus the actual uh what was the word you used where it's just it i guess just in bad taste up until the actual like it's like oh okay it actually seems like he's raping her i like most of that scene like i think all of those things work really well i i just simply you know i just think i don't know i don't want that i don't think it serves anything to be to, to for me at least to go to that you know whatever you call it to go to the rape um, i think what it what it is is like for me it sort of captures maybe it's better things to note but it it captures like a time and a place and a people in that time and place like this was done you know, the, the the filmmaker whoever you know michael cooney his co-writer whoever like they thought it was, you know, not crossing a line or actually thought it was actually funny, something like that. So yeah. like what that what that kind of like hooting, hollering response would be in a crowd, for me, it's not what the snowman is doing to her, but it's almost this this kind of like embracing and acknowledging of the fact that we have people walking among us who would put this on the silver screen. It's like almost accepting that side of themselves of them, them in a way. I don't Mm. know. For me, it's just kind of in that horror movie way in a way, uh, just like almost celebrating the worst sides of ourselves or like, or being confronted with it and kind of, I don't know, as a, as a collective making peace with it, which is all (laughs) heavy and a lot to say for, fucking jack frost but but i don't know i mean it is i mean god it is uh infamous for a reason so i think can yeah. allow for a little dismembering on that level sure well let's let's uh do some things that did not work and we can talk more about it <laughs> right because i as i said i figured you'd have it for that section all right here we go what did not work it's not ready yet seems to work okay no something important's missing what did not work? <laughs>
Okay. I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. My only issue, well, it's not my only issue. My main issue is that you don't need it for this movie. Like this movie, it seems like a, you know, a holdover from just a different era. And where where rape, you know, kind of stuff like was taken lightly. From the 80s. Right. You know, and you see it in like the original Evil Dead, right? There's the woods kind of end up raping. From the 80s, yeah. Right. And and there's various other movies. I mean, there's plenty of movies that, like Revenge of the Nerds. There, there's like a full-on rape scene in that, and it's made out to be a joke. And that's, it's just... it's fucked up. I mean, that that was the world and that's how people viewed that stuff. So for me, when you see that kind of thing in this thing, I'm not really forgiving of it, but I do understand the context of the time, but I still think it's bad. And I think that it shouldn't be in there. Like it actually goes to me, it it, it kind of flies in the face of the movie. Like it doesn't fit to me. Um, If this was a movie about the awful things that human beings can do to each other, then I, I I understand, you know, the, the purpose of having a rape scene. Cause like, you know, um, last house on the left, I think does it, that is the point, right? Like it's the point, but in this, like you said, it's, it's just kind of in bad taste. It, it, it doesn't need to be there. It doesn't serve the movie. It doesn't, it doesn't make us, it's not like a, uh, you know, a hinge on how we feel about Jack Frost, the snowman killer. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make us go, oh, well, now I really hate him. It's like, yeah, none, none of that. So for me, it just it's it's pointless to have in there and actually is, you know, uh, has a negative effect on the movie itself. Because you could have that exact scene, every piece of that exact scene works fine without the rape. Just have him kill her. He's killed other people. Like, why are we, why are we exploiting this notion of women's, you know, bodies are there to be sexualized? Now, having said that, that's like all of cinematic history. So it's not like this is an anomaly. Like this is falling into (laughs) the norm of a century's worth of film and how they view women. But does that make it okay? Absolutely not. And like you said, you wouldn't want to see that in a movie that was made today because we should know better. Like, that's just not something that we should use as a plot tool or just as a a way to be sort of exploitative and simple-minded about how we view women and women's bodies in film. So... That's it. That's my piece. <laughs> Just have uh, a million icicles come out of him and like impale her. He yeah, can or, he can do the whole like like envelop her thing and then have an ice icicle death. I don't care. Like whatever. I have to imagine that you know they're. Uh, this is not in defense of, but you know we're we're just trying to like imagine them in the writers' room together. Uh, that you know and just doing all that you can with the promise and the premise one of them probably just mentioned the idea of you know the carrot right as his member and they were just they couldn't not 
do it at that point, just according to them. But you know, like, so for me, if I if I was in that room and that got brought up, I'd be like, you know, I can, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that up to the point of the attempted use of of the carrot. But then I would have her defend herself and like snap the carrot in half or whatever, like do something that sort of is poignant to the, I don't know, not inappropriateness, even though I do, it is not inappropriate, just the shittiness of, of, of making a lark out of that kind of thing. Right. I mean, she could bite it or off or something. Sure. That'd be funny. Cause I mean, that would double the joke. Cause it's a carrot. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So like, I just think that, it's the one kind of place in this whole movie where I'm just like, okay, you did. Good. Yeah, that's no, no, thanks. So I think my in defense of it wasn't even so much like what worked or what didn't work because like hearing you say, describe it that way. I'm like, yeah, no, that is more in tune with our sections, like sort of what worked, what didn't work sort of ends up being like what we would change about it to kind mm-hmm. of like, hone it to our ideal version if we could just snap our fingers or whatever. Right, right. That's what it comes down to. But for me, I'm just talking less about like what worked and what didn't work, but just sort of from the standpoint of this exists, this is what it is. Sure. And I think, you know, I mean, hey, maybe, you know, the fact that this exists is one way we've been able to you know, we're able to now point at it and mm-hmm. say something about it, right? So it's sure. helpful in that sense. But again, it's just like imagining it in the theater with the crowd. Um, or, you know, if you can just put yourself in that context or whatever, if you're alone too, I guess, counts. But like the gross, like weird feelings that come up during the scene, like how nice is it to be able to just like scream that out or sure. like make a make a noise with a crowd of people just cuz like just to kind of like you're on a roller coaster of just ah like what is this feeling in my chest here just this is a horrible just to be able just to go ah, with a group of people about it right, i think is right. uh just the context that i was trying to highlight no i get it i get it yeah i just like you said if if it were me making this movie i would <laughs> i would not have done that scene that way Yo, Michael Cooney, uh, <laughs> how about this instead? Um, <laughs> Jesus, yeah. You know, you, you kind of, you kind of made me ease up on him. The only thing that I had down, but it's kind of just as a question mark of what didn't work for me. Like, I loved all the casting in it. Like, but the main guy, like, mm. yeah, he he was the right level of not being too much or too little of something. But I don't know. He just. I don't know. He just didn't have that natural quirk to him. Yeah. That, that like, I kept forgetting like which one he was when he was going around with the different cops. But then like everyone else just did seem like that, uh, you can use the word, just that quirky cast of characters. Um, but whatever, he's fine. Yeah, he was fine. Um, you know, I, I, I'd have to like look at an ancestry thing, but, uh, his wife, the woman who plays his wife, has this has my mom's maiden name it's so i wonder if we're distantly re- related eileen seely spelled the same way too <laughs> they didn't come over for your thanksgiving dinner <laughs> no <laughs> um what else shannon elizabeth oh wait now i'm doing things of note no so what else didn't work for me everything's so dumb that it's kind of like <laughs> how do you 
how do you criticize it? I don't know. I thought it was weird that Shannon Elizabeth's character and the boyfriend broke into the cop's house to like fool around. Oh, that cracked me up. I mean, I could put that under that. Actually, I did want to mention in what worked because it's an example of just saying yes to something. They clearly did it just because so that they could just use the same location. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> so they didn't have to get another location because it's just so funny. She's they try to play it like it's oh, wouldn't it be? I don't exciting. know. It, yeah, it kinky or exciting to just be here. But it's almost more just like out of convenience is the way totally. she wants it. Like, it's just right here. <laughs> he won't notice. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. So, <laughs> the... I don't know. what What's the point in criticizing or like... I just don't... I don't have anything that's worth saying about it that's like, oh, this didn't work. Everything worked. It's so dumb. <laughs> Everything worked. It's so dumb. <laughs> that says it. I think that uh I think that's a very good uh well there you have it kind of sentiment to wrap up on here. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> then we can move on to well wrapping up a bit more here with our next section lest we forget things of note. This should be interesting. Yeah, so I guess I already started doing this. The Eileen Seeley, um, Shannon Elizabeth's first thing. Um, what else? Uh, it was filmed in Big Bear, which I uh, presumed when we watched. And I was like, this has got to be Big Bear or Arrowhead or something like that. And sure enough, there you go. Um, they made a sequel, <laughs> which now I kind of want to see. Uh, and what's the name of it, Tim? The, the, se- <laughs> the sequel's called Jack Frost 2, Revenge of the Mutant Killer Snowman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From 2000. Same director. Uh, they were going to make a third one, but it fell through. What's your take on things that are like straight to straight to video? What do you mean? Like, that's not really a thing anymore, is it? I think so I mean like, the equivalent is direct to streaming. Right. Which like uh I recommended it um th- no, I don't think that came out in theaters, like the craft reboot sequel. Oh like, yeah. That was like an example of direct to be I don't know. They're wait, wait, I mean, wait, what exactly are you asking though? If they still exist or what do I Um, what am I asking? I'm asking like I suppose I'm sort of asking like the merit in the past or, or, or the, do you think that the, the, the criticism that's sort of implicit in a straight to DVD or like the, 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 the consideration of those movies as being shittier um, is valid considering that now we live in a world where like that construct doesn't even exist. You just have endless movies on the same level on netflix that you may or may not come across right because like aren't aren't all the great shows 
really straight like stranger things is a direct to video you could say. well exactly right <laughs> it's a like, show so- i guess that's a little different it's a tv show but we're just blurring the lines more and more between movies and shows anyway here's what i think i think that complaint or that assumption is valid from a historical perspective right. of the kinds of things you would see on the shelves but i think there is a benefit to if you're making one where you are almost kind of just like being given a free reign. It's like, all that matters is it's called Lion King 2, you know? Or you, <laughs> you, and then within that, if you're actually a filmmaker wanting to try to make something good, you can kind of almost have the keys to the kingdom to do that as long as you're just doing it within the budget. Like, that's kind of all that matters, you know? Is yeah. that it's called Lion King 2. So I think that's cool. But I... Uh, I think that's, yeah, a fair assumption to have based on their track record, but I think something that is worthy of reevaluating as well in that context uh, should and could possibly change. Yeah. Uh, I have another question for you, Ryan. Mm. What do you think of this poster, this movie poster? Uh, like the official poster of this movie? Yeah. I feel Considering like it's- what the mo- what's in the movie... I think, uh, yeah, the fact that it doesn't look like the snowman at all and like has eyes and teeth and all that. Um, and I mean, tongue. my first, <laughs> and a tug. I mean, my first <laughs> thought is that this is that this is one of those iconic movie VHS covers that I would always see at the video store. It's yeah. Like, so distinct. When I, I don't remember, I, it was probably last year, uh, Britt was like, we were thinking about Christmas movies and she's like, Oh, I want to see like Jack Frost. I haven't seen that in a long time. And I was like, what? <laughs> like the, the horror movie, Jack Frost. She's like, there's a horror movie, Jack Frost. I was like, I was like, no, she's like, yeah, it was Michael Keaton. And I was like, Oh, sh- I, sorry. No clue what you're talking about. But if you look at the cover of, <laughs> of the Michael Keaton, Jack Frost, that snowman design looks more like the Jack Frost in this movie than the <laughs> poster right. for this movie. <clears throat> and it almost makes me think that by the time they got around to making a DVD cover, the other movie had already like b- become a thing. Yeah. And they were like, oh shit. Like, that how looks do we make exactly them look- like our Jack Frost. R- we right, can't they're like, we that. have to make him look clearly evil. In fact, I would I would almost venture to guess that whatever studio produced the 98 Jack Frost probably said, sorry, you can't use that design. It's too close to ours. Or just that, hey, would you mind? <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, here's $13. Go hire somebody to Photoshop you a shit poster. Yeah. Here's <laughs> exactly. Speaking of, just because Tim will never, ever have the opportunity to give uh, a thing of note for the 1998 Michael Keaton Jack Frost film <laughs> that had a very interesting thing of note. Three of Frank Zappa's four children appear in the Wait, film. Can I name them? Yes, three of the four. Amit, uh, Moon Unit, Dweezil. That those are the three that are in it. Yes. yes. There you go. I feel very accomplished that I know Frank Zappa's kids' names. (laughs) Moon unit. Great. Moon unit. Good work, Tim. Uh, You mentioned how there was the kid's name was Ryan in it. And I just, I mean, that's a a thing of note for me 
mm-hmm. being my name. It's your middle name. That's but right. Why it's a little interesting, I can put it in the context for everyone else. Why it's kind of be interesting. I just challenge you to think of all just the characters in TV and film who have been named Ryan, like first name Ryan. Yeah, we have Jack Ryan's a famous character, but it's real. I swear, even though it's a pretty common name, you really don't hear it that much. So hmm. pay attention. Let me know if that's just because I'm named that and you feel that way. I don't know, Tim. Do you feel like you see a lot of Tims in movies out there in TV? Um, I think Tim as a movie character name was essentially struck from usage after A Christmas Carol and Lassie. So like, you know, by the 50s, Tim just stopped being a name because it was so associated with this kid thing like Tiny Tim and and Timmy and Lassie that I think that was that. Like, I think that... was the end of Tim being a, a first name for, for us, you know, character, it, unless it's like a joke, you yeah. know? So you've got like Monty Python uses it as a joke. You have uh, South Park uses it as a joke, right? Mm-hmm. It's never taken seriously. So funny. Yeah. There's um the, actually we mentioned him earlier, funny Leslie Nielsen's character's, in uh in wrongfully accused his name's ryan that's the only one i always comes to mind for me that's quite quite the pull there exactly which is what (laughs) you have to do that's my that's my point exactly uh well for you listeners (laughs) i'd be curious to know uh what's your what's your awareness of your name in film and tv (laughs) does it feel underutilized are you someone who it's actually you know what you hear it a lot i'd be curious can we Um, can we create unless it already exists, the, like, movie character name database. I'm sure that exists, yeah. <laughs> you could just be like, I want to. I want every single, you know, Scott that's been a character in a movie. I want a list. Let's see. Fictional characters named Ryan. Oh, Ryan Howard from The Office is on the top. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. Ryan Newman. It looks like a picture of Elijah Wood from, um, from the faculty. Uh, oh God, who's this Ryan Evans? I don't recognize these pictures. Yeah. That's pretty obscure. <laughs> yeah. All these people. I don't know. You know why? I, it's there's because a lot. Everybody's named Jack, Jim, uh, Jack and Jim, man, or James, Jack, Jim and James or Michael. Or David. Mm. Yeah. Those are common. Um, it was fun. I uh, sort of helped me recap when an uh, episode of Dead Meat Kill Count exists for the films that we do, which is very much the case. He's been around forever. It is kind of fun to report back on the stats, I guess. We had a total of 10 kills in Jack Frost, which was eight men and two okay. women. And an average kill, which works out to for a ninety-minute movie, an average kill every nine minutes. All right, pretty That's solid. Not bad. Yeah. Damn, I wonder what our highest kill count movie is that we've covered. There's probably some obvious one that are just you know it's hard to to instantly reference, but sometimes there's just a movie where there's a total killing spree kind of thing. Or right, a, do you oh, get yeah, to like, count go, like ghost ship kills? Yeah, ghost ship. Right, that's like uh, like three hundred people. 
Yeah, just the opening of that movie. In one scene, yeah. Well, all right. (laughs) Probably, that'd be my guess. Yeah. It's a good guess. All right. Well, feels like then we're kind of wrapping up. That's it for Jack Frost. So we can wind down with some recommendations. Tim, anything you'd like to recommend dead for this holiday season 2021? Well, hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think that I will recommend Dead because it's the holiday season. Um, the and and because I basically have recommended every single one of these. Uh, the new Marvel series, an a new Marvel series is out. It's Hawkeye, and it is a Christmas themed uh, season, I guess. Assuming they do more than one season, I don't know. Um, but so far, it's it's interesting. You know, it's 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 all the things you expect. It's it's very marvelly and very sort of slick in that realm. Uh, uh, but it's cool. It's cool. It's interesting. It, it's I like the. It's got that kind of ticking time bomb holiday movie premise of like, Jer- so Jeremy Renner is is Hawkeye, right? And he gets pulled into a case or whatever you want to call it, a mission, right when he's promised his daughter that he will be home for Christmas. So he has, like, first episode right off the bat, like, this stuff goes down and he calls his wife and he's like, I, I'm going to be here longer than I thought. And he's like, I feel really bad because I made a promise to whatever his daughter's name is um, that I'd be there for Christmas. And his wife is like, well, you've got five days. And so it's just like setting that premise up of like seeing if he'll make it home on time. It's very, you know, it's got that same sort of planes, trains and automobiles. Like, are you going to get home for the birth or whatever? Like that kind of thing. I quite like around the holidays. Like it's, it's just a a fun vibe. So we'll see if, if it turns out well, there's only two episodes out, but so far so good. Cool. Well, as someone who, hasn't seen all the movies or isn't too into them, but I really liked uh, Loki and the, the, the Scarlet Witch show. Is yeah, that WandaVision? WandaVision. Would you think I'd like this one? Maybe it's totally <laughs> different. Like it's stylistically different because it well, is that's what doing I mean. this other thing. So that's, that is what I liked about those is that more than the movies, they were really able to like come into their own style and thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little wary of it because it's doing, it may be doing a little bit of a thing that I thought didn't work for the Netflix Marvel series, which was this kind of construct of like the criminal underworld in New York City and like the bosses and like the intrigue within that system. It just kind of got overdone in the Netflix series, Ziz. (laughs) And they're kind of doing the same thing. At least it seems like it to a degree already. And I'm like, well, this is, this is touch and go because those didn't work great. Some of it did, but like overall, I don't know. So we'll see. Fingers crossed, I guess. I don't know. All right. I'll ask you when it's all said and done, then should I watch it? Haley Steinfeld's uh, the other lead and she's quite good. Actually, maybe I'll watch it because I found that it is kind of fun to have a new show to look forward to that's being released weekly. 
It's kind of that old fashioned yeah. yeah. way of doing it. All right, right Tim. We're for so old. My, <laughs> for my recommendation, uh, I, you, you got to be able to tell me what it is. Come on. You, you got to be able to guess. I'm, I've got to guess what your recommendation is. What just came out that Ghostbusters I would clearly... two, three, <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife? <laughs> no, that I would just, of course, have to recommend Ed. Is it a movie in the theaters? No. Oh. Hmm. Man. You c- can find it the same streaming service you found your recommendation. Uh, Jungle Cruise, your favorite movie, Jungle <laughs> yes. Cruise. <laughs> yeah, my favorite ride. I've been it's waiting gotta for be the all Beatles, my life. The Beatles uh, documentary, yeah? Yes, The Beatles Get Back, directed by Peter Jackson. And I mean, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, we are recording this the day after Thanksgiving, so I've only seen the first episode. But I mean, I gotta recommend it already. Like, of course, like, it's, it's That doesn't great. surprise me. I'm very excited to watch that. It's them, it's them like you know in <laughs> literally back. like you've never seen them but uh because all this footage has been unseen i mean what a That's treat cool. for beatles fans the biggest band that will ever exist and yep. peter jackson just cuts and culls it all together into one crazy stream of beatles coming at you <laughs> so well done i'm so excited i'll watch the part two very soon after we finish recording this check nice. it out get back to where you once belonged that's cool. All right. Uh, cool. Great. Well, we can wind down then. We're going to be back in two weeks with this may be our biggest episode ever, Tim, next to Psycho for me. Truly. Truly. Is- <laughs> I cannot tell you how excited I am to watch this movie again. I. This is one of those films I can't count how many times I've seen it. It's just so formative for me as a person and filmmaker and film fan. So for the holidays, if you can kind of run all that through your system, what's a Christmas movie? That is all, that is all those things. Well, it's Gremlins, directed by Joe Dante from 1984. Hoo-ha, hoo-ha. Now, Tim, would you uh, say that Gremlins is, has an undercurrent of anti-Christmasness? I think we better save that question for our next episode. I'm going to I'm going to watch it through that lens and see if if that's true. Great. Well, until then, you can find us wherever you found us, wherever you find your favorite podcast or big ask as you tell a friend if you made it this far. Just enjoy our our uh 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 enlargen <laughs> Enlarge in our our group. I don't know. Get the word out. Engorge, there. engorge our group. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> you're a, like you're a neck inflating from killer right. snowmen. <laughs> uh, no, but really, all the same. Uh, we're just grateful, thankful to have you here with us. So, thank you. All right. Well, in closing, kind of as I just said, yeah. In closing, uh. Wherever wherever you're listening from, but special shout out to all our listeners in Snowminton. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>